kids! I bought some new felt pens! <gasps> Rock Island! <laughs> Welcome to episode 169 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mark. Joining me on today's episode is the composer, Joff Bush. Joff is responsible for providing the soundtrack and all of the music for one of the best TV shows of the last couple of years. I have fallen deeply in love with Bluey. It's a beautiful animated series that tells the story of Bluey the dog and her family her amazing sister Bingo and the best parents out there. It is absolutely gorgeous and is so heartfelt and every story can make me feel every emotion possible. Each episode is only seven minutes long and I truly believe that no one else can tell a story like Bluey in such a limited amount of time. You will cry, you will laugh and it's got something for everyone. I really have fallen deeply in love with this show and I can't wait for series three later this year. But we're here today to talk about the soundtrack, and I can't express enough how much you need to check it out. It's available on CD, and vinyl, and Spotify, and all the streaming services, and this is the perfect opportunity to fall in love with Joff's work. Every song is individual to Bluey, but makes up the story and adds so much to the episodes. He really is a genius, and I don't use that term often. He provides for me the absolute foundation to every episode through his music and there's no one like him so it's an absolute honor to have him join me today on the mark and me podcast what i want to do right now is get straight to it you probably notice as i'm talking the background music right now is different it's normally the same song but today we're changing things up this is joff's work that you're listening to right now in the background go and check it out after this episode all of his work is unbelievable but this Bluey album is something on another level. So here's me and Joff talking all things music. So, Joff, thank you for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. Great to meet you. Thank you. It's, uh, yeah, be, I'm, I'm really looking forward to having a good chat. Brilliant. So, Joff, <laughs> there'll be people today that are tuning in that maybe are fans of Bluey um, that might not know that it's you behind the music and behind the actual sounds that you hear. So what I want to do is for those people that are listening now is give them a taste of how you became the person you are today. What I want to do is take it right back to the start. So when you were growing up, can you remember those sort of things that you were listening to that made you fall in love with music and sounds and the production behind all the audio? Yeah, uh, it's well, you know, I was never a prodigy kid. I wasn't one of those um, kids who would be on Ellen or whatever playing <laughs> playing piano and, and impressing everybody. Um, I was probably, you know, 
yeah but I, I actually you know what i did find recently when i was uh, a, a um a music book that uh i had written when i must have been about six or seven and so obviously was really interested in writing and i always loved sort of writing stories and writing and playing music um and this music book's terrible it's you know it doesn't make any sense it's the mind of a child trying to emulate the only music I had in the house which was a uh, like a beginner piano book sort of thing They're amazing just and um and so it's you know it's got there's directions there that are like play these notes at once but you don't know what the notes are and then there's me trying to draw staves and then there's instructions on how to play the piano um and all sorts of things in there um and so you know that was really interesting because I, I know growing up I was more fixated on being a performer and the idea of being a performer. And I, you know, I, I, around that age, my brother was killed in a sort of tragic accident. And um, I know my parents, you know, playing piano was probably like I was being a good boy playing, yeah. playing the piano. And that's, and so, and, you know, to deal with their grief, you know, I'd be at a lot of friends' houses and I'd be this wanting to be this impressive kid performing piano and things like that. Never had the talent to do it. But, um, uh, and I think that sort of set me off on something. I, I, I feel like I should really say, it's sounding like I'm a real rags to riches story here. I had an amazing supportive family, but it's not, that's not, so it was like, but it, I think that definitely influenced who I was and being, wanting to be a performer um, really, uh, uh, it kept going right up until university. And uh, I remember my university uh, piano mentor at the time saying, hey, you're just writing all the time. You're not doing the 11 hours practice or whatever you're supposed to do to be a concert pianist. You're just writing all the time and hanging out with film students. Are you sure this is what you want to do? And they, she was absolutely right. I, I was supposed to be um you know my obsession was really in uh writing and yeah. and that ended up so um but i think that sort of influenced me and then um having some great teachers as well um who uh, introduced me to all sorts of music like uh duke ellington and and debussy and things like that um as a teenager i had a great teacher called ken mclean and you know, he knew exactly what I needed somehow. He just uh, would show me how to improvise on something and then let me, let, let, then it just let me loose and I just um, uh, start playing. And then I, eventually I got to the point where I was about 14 and I was, um, I got a hookup to play in a restaurant underneath a, um, a theater. Oh, wow. Like, background piano and and when you were like 14 and you have a gig you think you're the best you're the, <laughs> the best in the world you, you just think you're the bee's knees and it was like 20 bucks and no one listened but i um uh you know all these things influence there and then uh i also remember when i was 15 going to see a concert i can't remember what the concert was but uh just being blown away and thinking this is music this is the most beautiful thing in the world this is what i want to do but all through that time um i just i just know i remember 
feeling like I wanted to be a performer, but my obsession wasn't in performing, it was in writing. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? A lot of people when they're growing up want to have that guitar in front of the mirror or sit there at the piano and want to be, you know, the next Nirvana or Elton John or Freddie Mercury sort of stuff. But I suppose it's strange to hear that as much as that appealed to you, it was more about the writing and the composition. And I think that's really interesting because most people just want to be on the stage and be the front man and be seen for kind of being famous. But you're yeah. you kind of prefer to be behind the scenes making all this magic I'm happen probably, yeah i'm probably the least famous person in australia who's had a number one album like i'm, I'm fairly unknown but uh yeah i think I, I i found my place there and i love that process that real buzz you get when you're working on collaborating on a project and you add something that really adds value or elevates it it's just um there's a it's such a buzz it's it's really exciting so when you're composing all this music and obviously you started at a young age you've been talking about your teenage years when you were composing stuff did you still have the backing of your family because some people will turn around to their parents and say mom dad i want to be a musician or i want to be an actor and they're like well that's fine but you do need to get a real job and then you know that kind of mentality because it's not always easy is it to break through and make a name for yourself it's a industry that's very hard to to break through in um no i've I've always been very lucky to have a really supportive family my both my parents um my, my dad's sort of amateur musician and um and and as well, I, 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 you know, it wasn't, we, none of us were, I wasn't really immersed in hanging out with other musicians or anything. It was always um, just that, you know, my family loved music. And, and I think that helped, helped me particularly during those younger years where, you know, that was being a good boy. That was being some, creating something that brought joy and, 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 and to everyone's lives. Yeah. Um, tricky time so i i you know that association with music and and, um was was always there and i i can understand why people want to be up the front i i do i'd I'd love to be a a, who wouldn't want to be a rock star of course um, there's it's incredibly validating but um uh you know i and i love performing but i haven't done it for a while but (laughs) i love performing um but the i think being able to create something that can be part of something that's loved is 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 a bit more rewarding in, in that way. I don't know if that makes sense. But. No, it does massively. And at what point was it that you felt that it wasn't just fun, a hobby that be- could become something that you could make a living out of? Do you remember that kind of period in your life where you were asked mm-hmm. to compose music for a certain project and you thought, actually, if I could do enough of this, I wouldn't have to go and do the nine to five job? Yeah, there was there wasn't really a point. It was just something I just loved doing, uh, and the whole time it wasn't just um, yeah. There wasn't. I was happy living in a eighty dollar a week, you know, like room in a share house, um, writing writing music, and and my job day job was teaching piano. Yeah, and I played played uh, piano in bars and things like that um uh and you you never know I, th- I i didn't really have that dream of like i'm going to be a hollywood composer i'm going to be this thing it was just i just want to work on cool stuff and make something that people like um 
And so, yes, and I've been lucky enough to just land at the right spots, mostly fairly recently. And uh, and with Bluey, and uh, uh, that seemed to like click with sound that I have and uh, what I wanted to do. And and with Bluey, obviously, it's become an absolute global. It's been insane the jump that I've seen over the last couple of years. Um, in the UK, we're a little bit slower. But you know, mm. with Disney Plus getting it and BBC, it's 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 blown up, and I'm seeing children love it, and then adults loving it, and loads of parents tweeting out about they don't mind their kids watching Bluey because they love it as well and they can <laughs> relate to it. But how did Bluey as a project come to you? How how was this introduced? That the fact that you could get involved in this because you must have at that time not known that it was going to take off and be this huge successful cartoon. Absolutely. And I, no, I mean, no one could have predicted how well it would do. I think um, before Bluey was a thing, you know, uh, uh, even before I came on the project, I'd been working with uh, the executive producer of Bluey and, um, and, uh, and the studio, Ludo Studio, where it's made, uh, Daily Pearson. And we've known each other since we were teenagers. Yeah. And, whole bunch of projects together and a couple of tv shows and things like that and we're working on something else and i think he thought i'd be a really good fit um and he said he said something like because we were working on something else at the time he said oh you reckon you could fit in one more i think it's just a little show we're doing on the side it's it's no big deal it was very um and I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like, and then I watched it. And I watched some really early drafts and, and I was just blown away by it. And I thought it was so beautiful. I, I, was, I, I was actually crying at the rough animatic of this episode. And um, then I met Joe Brahm, the creator. And um, I, I, I really loved his aesthetic. I loved how much he cares about music and, and how important it was for him in the show. And how he didn't want to make a cookie cutter show where you sort of just use the same theme and and just play it and and write it off. And um, it was uh, I just knew I had to do it when I saw it, and um, I felt like I knew what it needed early on, which is lucky. That doesn't always happen. And um, yeah, uh, yeah, rest is history, I guess. And with those early animations that you'd seen and the concept and the ideas, obviously they were quite rough at that time. They're not the whole polished ended up studio versions. Yeah. I, I, I've been there and I've been emotional. Like Rug Island, I'm streaming. I don't mind admitting it. I'm crying yeah. my eyes out. It's absolutely unbelievable. And at what point is it you're sitting there trying to, you know, come up with these ideas? Because every episode is very different, but it's still bluey. But the topics and the character focus on each one is so different. Where do you yeah. start when you're asked to try and compose music to such a... It's it's the journey you're taking in seven minutes on an episode is unbelievable. No, no other animation in the world ever does a story as well as Bluey in seven minutes. But you obviously are such a crucial part to that with the sound because without a soundtrack, it would be just very, very bland. <laughs> oh, that's very kind of you to say. I think, I think like the story is... The, the scripts, the stories are so strong and, um, and, and yeah, and th that's always such a, a great thing, you know, and then we get, uh, I, I know we have every week we have 
it's called a spotting session and we could work out all the spots where the music's going to go in, a, in an episode and that's a, a really in-depth meeting it's more that we have for each seven minute episode we have a longer more in-depth spotting session than say if i'm working on a, a hour-long tv episode yeah you know, it's it, detail and we talk a lot about what's it about well how are we going to approach this and uh, you know we talk about rug island and how that's about how adults being part of the kids world and how they can never really go back and be part of that the, the that that universe that's 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 a fleeting time that children experience and we can try to be part of it and so you know the music we decided well we should get try and get some kids to sing it yeah sing a thing and and we got you know and really young kids with a lot of auto-tune and some also older kids who are really talented and a lot of them were just friends of friends and family and some um contracted musicians or whatever and then and and we had this blend but that that you know those decisions you know those big creative decisions take a can take a while to work out it's it's not an immediate oh i'm gonna write this and then we it just flows out we we try a lot of things and um have a lot of back and forth and um but yeah i love rug island it's a great episode is it quite tough that there's probably a lot of music that doesn't make the final cut because there's ideas that you're thinking about you do it and then when you watch it back or you're trying it with the animation or trying to get the feel of it it just doesn't feel right but they're still great yeah. pieces of music you spent time on would it be you know, do you think there could ever be like a B-sides or the rarities? Because <laughs> yeah. there's so much probably that never made the final cut. Yeah, I mean, I think we're pretty, we've, because we've got such a, we've got some, you know, we do a, a episode a week. Yeah. Um, we have live musicians playing most of it and also, you know, there's a lot of involvement there. Um the the concept stage is usually me on the piano so a lot and or playing guitar or something as what well. i'm trying different things like that and and not getting i don't usually get too in depth with the demos um and uh we're, uh, we're 120 something episodes in now so um we've got a bit of a flow and i, I very rarely disagree with the producers or joe brown comes in every yeah. week it's usually it seems to click and that's not always the case in writing music film um especially if you have opinions on how stories should be told and things like that okay like i don't uh, there's um so it, it usually if i feel like i it's not working i kind of know that they'll feel it's not working as well and there's pretty lucky in that regard that there is that sort of click um but yeah it's yeah i mean it's a good question i but uh, i maybe i should do a, a b-size i'm sure there's all sorts of stuff there but I, I i i'm usually so undeveloped or i'm a bit turned off it or something like that but <laughs> what one day in a few years there'll be like a bluey's b-sides or the rarities yeah, album yeah. And... and everyone will hate it <laughs> And when it came to putting the album together, obviously now people can yeah. buy it and it's uh, available to buy instead of having to get the record store day exclusive, which was hundreds of pounds online. You can now go and get the vinyl, which I've got, which is a beautiful blue vinyl, but there's CDs and everything else. And you get the poster and it's it's gorgeous. It's so nice to sit down and put it on from start to finish. But 
deciding on the track listings and exactly what tracks would make this because obviously you can only have so much on an album so you don't want to be having like 50 tracks because you yeah. just can't uh, how did it come to the place where you were like well we need to have this track and you was it you sitting down with the producers and kind of choosing your favorite pieces of work because like the camping and the weekend episode the main theme you had to have on there but you know taxi yeah, and all this it must be difficult to think which ones do we do because it's got to be kind of a a bit of yeah. a best of hasn't it really in a way it was and um i was you know i have fairly quite a lot of free reign in in choosing the tracks um we we sort of half produced a bunch of them because we did all of them all again we recorded yeah. them and um did all the things i wanted to do like bring in string players or horns or something like any element that i was like oh didn't have time to do it during the show or it didn't need it during the show um uh, i had a clear idea at the start that i wanted the first half of the album the a side to be sort of games so they're the games that kids can play or play along with the music so something like granny's yeah it probably goes on for like 30 seconds too long but i wanted it to just be a little bit longer than uh you know it needed to be um so that kids can settle in and play the games and they can they could just oh we're going to play grannies now and they could or they might you know they can loop it around or try different things and use their own imagination around um the games from the show so the first half was that and then the second half were all the my, my favorite stories which usually ended up being everybody else's favorite stories from from the from the first season so you know things like camping and stuff yeah like that, which, amazing um the grannies still makes me laugh now just hearing that theme tune here come the grannies and <laughs> i remember me and my girlfriend were in bed watching bluey before bed because it's just like the nice wind down few episodes like one more episode then we'll go to bed one more episode and it's like oh, shit we're on oh, season two um <laughs> but the grannies episode that first time that they slip and like, i slipped on my beans it's genuinely a moment i nearly spat my drink out and i couldn't breathe i was like this is the most funny thing i've ever seen but oh, as so, soon so as you play that theme tune now it's just i can't help but laugh oh that's so nice oh no I, I, that was so much fun and i did it i did that one in um oh I was i was in berlin at the time actually and uh and this is that that whole theme was kind of I've written half of it and I was running out of time and I sent it to, uh, um, I, I sent, sent the music and I, and I improvised stuff on the piano for a lot of it. And I sent it to Prue Monton and she's a trumpet player. Um, I said, Can you record this tonight? I, like, I've got to get it done. To, and um, and I, I said, I'm sorry, there's sort of improvised bits in there. And, and she actually just, she said, I said but you, yeah, do what you think is going to be cool. Maybe solo or something. And she just, she said, oh, I just played what you did. And, but she did it in a way that just made it catchy and got the phrasing right. And it, yeah, it just clicked. So that, that was a really, that was a really fun one to do actually. And yeah. Uh, it's fun. amazing. Great episode. Uh, and moving forward, do you feel that there's, obviously we got season three, they're very cagey about letting any information out all we keep getting is instagram comments and facebook like something is coming and we're like okay but <laughs> yeah. obviously you've been involved in all of the production and the, the the sound and the music for that now 
where do you see it going for yourself? Because obviously, do you imagine it one day being a Bluey the tour? Could you imagine this being performed live? Or do you think, you know? Uh, I'd love to do uh, some live band shows for sure. I, I'm, I'm, I really miss playing live and I miss playing with musicians. I'm thinking most musicians that have that feeling for yeah. the last years, um, a year or so. Um, and yeah, we, we did do a, a live stage show um, in Australia and we were fortunate that we were fairly COVID free and we got a, a run of that around Australia. And wow. that was such a fun experience doing, um, just being with, uh, collaborating, you know, with a, a group of 20 other people, even though wasn't all playing music, but just being being in the same room and creating something together is it's uh yeah i i forgot how much i miss it yeah and away from bluey obviously it must take up so much time like you said an episode a week and it's constant and when we get a season you know there's there's sort of 50 episodes it's insane yeah um what what do you do do you do you try and switch off and relax and enjoy time away (laughs) or are you someone like me that's always editing always wanting to do more or can can you switch off and say no to projects yeah i'm I'm definitely like i think where i think i'm like you in that regard i i'm i'm not actually don't really (laughs) i'm I'm maybe i think you get i'm a bit addicted to the adrenaline of meeting deadlines in some way and um I, it's it's such a great motivator and, and um you know so many artists say you know i need a deadline it's just it's it to create something great and um uh you know it's always a mental balance of course you know don't stuff this up but also you know be creative um do something new uh and exciting um but yeah i i think yeah yeah, I think, I think there's. Um, oh, let me gather my thoughts here. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's difficult, yeah, isn't I'm, it? So I, yeah. I speak to. I did a run of artist specials where I was talking to people about their, you know, graphic design work and all their artworks and stuff. And I said to them, yeah. "Do you find that you ever now can just sit at home with a pen and paper and just sketch for fun? You know, literally." <laughs> just enjoy yeah. a cup of tea and just draw and none of them do anymore because it's project after project it's deadline yeah. it's working it's making sure that your skill and your reason to draw is for you know your your living and your your income and i'm sure yeah. is there days now you can just sit at the piano and just play and just think you know i'm going to play some la la land soundtrack or i'm going to play this score or i'm going to do this I I, mm. I doubt you do do because those ideas <laughs> you're then playing will then be like oh i could do this for something else yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm a bit against holding on to things for a rainy day. Like, I think there's, um, I, th- I know so many artists who do that. They'll go, I've got this, but I'm, I'm saving it for the my best album, you know, or something yeah. like that. And I think it, it's, a, you'll always come up with something new. I think you'll, so I, but I do try to play a bit of piano every day, just, and uh, when, so, I, and I do love just sitting there, just, improvising or creating stuff and i think it's just good to get into that mental space or dance around the room a bit or something like that anything to um uh break it up but but you're you're right in a way it's sort of like often all comes into flow making the the workflow work better in a way just to yeah um 
get into a zone or something like that with it, a creative headspace. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't, but in terms of just sitting, I'm going to sit down and, and write something just for me. Uh, I haven't had the time. And, no. uh, and you never will. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's also just, um, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm, you know, uh, probably annoying to a lot of people. I don't really enjoy holidays. I like, yeah. Like I like my I like my job. I like working with people, and I think that's um, the satisfaction of having created something. It's is, is, is too much to live down, I guess. Yeah, I have a real variety of an audience to the podcast, and I think that's because of the kind of the range of guests that I have. And one question I ask to everyone: it doesn't matter if they're an actor, director, producer, whoever it is that comes on. I ask the same question, but there will be someone listening today that's a composer or they're a musician. And what advice do you give to those people to try and get their music out there or try and make the steps that you did to get heard? Because it is a very, very tough industry to get known in. Yes, you can go on Instagram and post your music. Yes, you can have a YouTube channel. But what advice do you give to those people that want to step above and beyond and be seen and try and get out there? Yeah. Um, so that's a really tough one for me to answer. I, I, because I, I do feel like I've been really, and I, I don't think it's false modesty to say that. I think I've, I've been quite lucky um, in recent years um, with the sort of projects I've been involved with. Uh, but I, I think, you know, the one thing I was told that it stuck with me, stuck with me was that it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And, um, and as cheesy as it is, like to be yourself and, and, and 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 uh, one one big change I had working with film was when I stopped trying to just give what people told me they want. Yeah, that makes sense. So if someone says, "Oh, we want a dance track that sounds like this," and then like, your job is just to imitate that yeah. dance track, um, but to really get involved and be an artist, somebody who's got their own opinions and ideas around things and, um, and your own aesthetic. And, uh, oh, you know, I'll tell you that, that first gig I did, um, which was, um, playing, playing piano in a restaurant. I, when I first arrived there, I ran away. I was so terrified. I just ran away and I came back half an hour later and I said, um, to the restaurant manager said sorry I, I something popped up or so i made some excuse yeah and and she said oh i, I didn't notice you but hadn't started <laughs> <laughs> playing restaurant behind a restaurant and it was sort of like there's something about that which my takeaway from that is that when you're if you're if if people are there to see you they will they want to enjoy your work and they're there to see you for who you are. Otherwise they're just there to eat their ravioli and, and yep. go see a show. So, and, and enjoy stuff as long as you're not like disturbing them, but there is something um, about that, that, that was, you know, it's so important to, uh, uh, you know, work on who you are as an artist and what you want to do. And, um, and then, uh, you know, you'll create your own cultural resonances around that, and people will like that, I guess, and 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 will come to see you for who you are. I don't know what I'm. So, I feel like I'm gas bag. No, no, that's brilliant. But um, there's um, there is a in my head. There's a thread. 
And, and my final question for you today, and I ask this to everyone, and I am going to put you on the spot, and it's not an easy one, and especially for you, I think you're going to really struggle. <laughs> Every episode of Mark and Me has an outro piece of music, and the music is chosen by the person that's been on that episode. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Now... Every actor, director, musician that's been on gets to choose it, but I don't let you get to come back to me in a few days' time. You can't drop me a DM or an email. It has to be today. <laughs> to be so the it's the one that comes to your heart and your head and your soul when I ask a question. So what would you like to be? It doesn't have to be a piece of music by yourself. What's yeah. a song? It could be a band from a film score or just a piece of music that for you sums you up. It's the song that you absolutely adore. It might have some meaning that we don't know about but a song that is one of your favorites that could be the perfect outro for today's intro um for today's episode i think look i'm gonna i'm gonna just you just because you put me on the spot i'm gonna regret this but i'm gonna say um randy newman's simon smith and the amazing and the amazing dancing dare amazing uh, you know, yeah i don't know if you know that song but um yeah i i um there's that i just I, I love the, um, that's, it just reminds me of, you know, being a artist starting out so much, this whole, every, every line in it. And, and the sort of the chorus has this sort of all these questions in it, you know, um, <laughs> like they'll love us, won't they? Um, and, and then this sort of, it's almost like a sales pitch and I'm going to, I'm not giving it justice analyzing it. Um, but uh, I'm just going to go for that. I, I, I love that song. It's perfect. <laughs> Joff, I want to say a massive thank you for coming on the podcast today. Uh, genuinely, it's an absolute pleasure. And I have fell in love with Bluey on a whole other level. It's all I've probably watched over the last 12 months. And the soundtrack now, if I'm not at home listening to it on vinyl, I've got my headphones in on Spotify, I'm listening. And oh, I adore it. And, you know... I every song has a meaning i think it flows beautifully and the work you've done is just unbelievable and i can't wait to see what happens for the next season so thank you so much for taking the time to come on thank you so much that's so kind um of you to say and, and yeah you know i i do i do love this album it's one of the you know first things i've really put out that um it's really close to my heart so i am so glad that you enjoy it and yeah thanks for the chat so there it is. There's my interview with me and the amazing Joff Bush. I want to say a massive thank you for Joff for coming on because if you guys at home right now haven't stopped the podcast to check out his music, please do after this episode. You will be blown away by this guy's talent. He's so, so skilled and adds so much to every single episode of Bluey. And I can't wait to see what he comes up with for season three, which is coming out soon. As I said, the CD is available now and if you're a Bluey fan like me, you've probably already bought it and got the vinyl too. The vinyl itself is blue, it comes with a poster and any fan likes to get all the merch like me and I'm a sucker for it, so I got it all. Also, if you're new to Mark and Me, please go out and check out my previous work. They're all available on all the platforms you can imagine and they're all available for free. If you've enjoyed today's episode, all I ask in return for the podcast is to hit that share button on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. It brings a whole new audience to Mark and me and costs absolutely nothing to do and can make a massive difference to my downloads, so please do that. I do have a Patreon page set up as well, and on there you can support me every single month 
and in return thanks to the sponsors of the podcast the amazing last exit to nowhere t-shirts and vice press posters i will make sure that you get some incredible prizes up for grabs each and every month to say thank you for supporting the podcast i want to dedicate today's episode to the amazing dogs in my life my beautiful little billy and florence you mean the world to me and i know you can't hear what i'm saying on this episode but this episode's for you as always, things aren't slowing down anytime soon and there'll be a brand new episode in just a couple of days' time. So until then, watch Bluey, listen to the soundtrack, look after yourself, take care, and I'll speak to you all soon. Creek is beautiful. 